I know my own, my own know me. You, not the world, my face shall see. My peace I leave with you always. I celebrate those words and promises of Christ, my dear fellow believers. And may they be wind in your sails and lift under your wings and power to your generators and speed you on your way to the grand reunion. My dear friends, what a pleasure to spend a few minutes with you this morning in the Word. Is it just me or are the 2020s like a bust? What a hard couple of years. And this decade isn't even over yet. You think things are getting worse? Oh, man. I just think about the armies of Russia crushing and trampling on the brave people of Ukraine right now. I just can hardly wrap my head around it. I really thought the human race was better than that. Like we moved beyond the Imperial Japanese Navy taking over most of Southeast Asia or Hitler's tanks blasting through neutral Belgium and invading Poland. I thought we were better than that. Just naked power of annexation. I really had hoped that that was part of a nasty past. And I guess it was until it wasn't. We're right back into it. And it could get worse. The Ukrainians could still be beaten back and their entire nation turned into rubble and simply annexed into the new Soviet empire. Or it could get worse. It could spread to other countries around Ukraine. It could get worse than that. If Mr. Putin gets desperate and panicky enough, he might think I have nothing to lose and unleash the dogs of nuclear war. That just, all that stress just sits on my heart every day and I, I can't get enough news. Just hoping and hoping and praying, God, stop this madness. It's not only military trouble, the financial troubles are really annoying too, aren't they? The supply chains that are being disrupted and of course from Russia and Ukraine being gigantic food producing nations, something like a quarter of the world's grains and wheat supply come out of those two countries. With all that just about being shut down because all the Black Sea ports are just about closed now, that means much of the Middle East and Northern Africa are going to be starving. And that means that you are going to see, uh, if you think food prices are high now, you just wait because a lot of America's farm produce is going to have to go to feed people that are literally dying. And so what that means is for you to eat, you're going to have to pay more, which is setting off you know, supply chain issues. It's hard to get anything at all setting off terrible inflation. I feel sorry for any of you doing any construction projects fixing on your house. The price of lumber in the 2020s has just gone berserk, hasn't it? Have you bought any lumber lately? You about got to take out a bank loan to get a two by four. Two years ago, not even two years ago, uh, I had a bunch of clay and uh, what I hoped was going to be a backyard. And one of the backhoe operators told me, hey, I know just the stuff for you. Get this stuff called Rinder's grass seed. It, you can grow grass on concrete. That stuff is like miracle. And he said, I'm going to a supply depot. You want me to get you a bag? And I said, yeah, sure. So he brings me this 25-pound bag of grass seed, 75 bucks. A little pricey, but man, that stuff really worked. Now I got these like big dead patches, it, uh, like it came up, but I got to still kind of fill it in. And so I just went online. I thought I'll get me another bag of that Rinder's grass seed. 150 bucks. Whoa, forget it. Those patches don't bother me so much anymore. <laughs> I'm going to wait for God to fill it in the natural way. I'll just water it a little bit and 
maybe throw a little fertilizer on there and wait for God to kind of shrink the, the dead spots. For 150 bucks, 150 bucks for a bag of grass seed, holy cow. Hey, I feel sorry for old folks. You know, there's certain people that I know that are like in retirement or soon to be there and watching the stock markets collapse in the, the last uh, six months makes old people nervous because they see their pile of acorns shrinking that they didn't even spend. It's just, it's just like their acorn pile is evaporating. What? And yet I feel sorry for young people too. If you're trying to break into the housing market, I feel sorry for you because real estate prices are like on steroids. Like they're just climbing through the roof. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Is it good for people who own houses? Yeah, until they get their tax assessment. Like, what? There's all kinds of financial disruptions going on all over the place that are one nasty shock after another. And then there's COVID. Did I mention COVID? Remember that? Remember COVID? It has not gone away. It's still disrupting meetings, disrupting family plans, disrupting businesses, making it difficult to buy and sell and communicate. And honestly, I don't know if we're ever going to be rid of it. I had hopes at one time it would do what the flu bugs usually would do, flare up and then flare down and flare away. Not this one. It may be that COVID is going to become a permanent part of our lives and we simply got to live with it, endure it, and it's going to strike where it will and we just got to put up with it. Who knows? But it makes for kind of a sullen bunch of people, doesn't it? When it's just always such this annoying thing and then another variant comes and all of a sudden everybody's social distancing again and masking up and telling you what you can and cannot do and get in line over here and no, you can't come in here. No, this is now closed. We don't have enough help to operate our restaurant. We can't get waiters, so we're closing the restaurant. We're closing the bar. I just feel sorry for everybody in the hospitality business because every new wave of COVID that comes around is another gut punch to your bottom line. Okay, if I got you pretty wound up and depressed about the 2020s, who wants to hear more? No, me either. So what? How do you keep a smile on your face? How do you keep a positive spirit in your heart? How can you look forward with anticipation and optimism when you've got all of these and many other bad things going on all at the same time? And I'll tell you why. And I'm going to cut right to the chase. What's Jesus doing now? Two weeks ago, we dove into scripture and celebrated the way he's interceding for us. Jesus is working every day, tracking how you are doing so that he can help you overcome your obstacles and carry out your ministry and fulfill the destiny for which he made you. Today, I want to celebrate with you that in a decade where our world is going crazy, our Lord Jesus is ruling and governing. And to do that, I'd like to take just a couple of toe dips into a spectacular book in the Bible, one that I suspect you don't know as well as you probably would like to, and one that, if you actually did read it a little bit more, would power up your faith to be much more joyful, confident, and optimistic. It's the book of Colossians. It's a little hard to spell and even pronounce. It's named after a city in the middle of what is today the nation of Turkey. Back then it was called Asia Minor. Not a very big city. This is not like big Ephesus. 
This is upriver. Its equivalent would be, oh, Stevens Point or Wisconsin Rapids. It's not Milwaukee or even Madison or Green Bay. It's more in the backcountry. But that congregation there was being tormented by philosophies that made it seem like the Christ is not enough. You need to work on these things yourself. The Bible is not enough. It gives you inadequate information. You've got to find more sources of secret missing knowledge that only we can provide to you. And it's all on you. It, what it did was an attack of the devil to steal people's confidence in their Savior and the integrity of the Bible. It's really what it comes down to. And St. Paul wrote these four little chapters as an elegant, mighty blast of confidence in the Word of God, and even more importantly, in the completed and ongoing work of Christ. The great biblical scholar in the 1900s, a guy named Adolf Deisman, wrote about the book of Colossians. He said, Colossians is like, for me, when I enter the chapel of Colossians, meaning when I read the book, it's as though I were hearing Johann Sebastian Bach himself at the keyboard. Majestic, gorgeous language expressing the mysteries of Christ's identity and Christ's work, his finished work, but also his ongoing work and his future work, what he's going to do yet, which we joyfully anticipate. Please grab your Bible and open it up to Colossians with me. And I want to just taste a few little pieces of it. It's all we got time for this morning. What I want to do by this is not explain everything to you, but set this up for you so that in order for you to manage your anxieties about the crazy and violent world we live in, yes, a world where gunmen run amok in supermarkets in Buffalo and on Water Street, our beautiful own Water Street, and destroy a watch party for our wonderful Bucks basketball team. The knuckleheads and the sociopaths who do things like that are never going to be gone. They will unfortunately be part of our world until the Lord returns. How can we stand it? Here's how you can stand it. Look in Colossians chapter 1. And if you look at verse 17, here I got two statements to pull out of chapter 1 for you to think about and give you incentive to go back and dig into this. Christ is before all things. Like he's always been here. He has seen it all. And in him, all things hold together. He's the glue of our world. When you're thinking, our world is coming apart. People don't even obey stop signs anymore. They blow through red lights. They don't care about safety. They don't care about anybody but their need for speed and showing off what studs they are, ripping rubber down a residential road. Whether they smash into something, whatever. Whether they hit somebody, strike another car, hit a pedestrian, whatever. Is this going to get worse? Who knows? But I do know this. Christ is the glue. And at the right time and in his own way, he's going to hold things together so that you can do your personal ministry and fulfill the function for which you have been manufactured. Christ holds all things together. Secondly, he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from among the dead. In other words, the first installment of a jailbreak from the graves in the graveyard. He went first. 
that means everybody else will be following. We can look to his resurrection for confidence of that. Why? So that in everything he might have the supremacy. He has the supremacy over everything. He is governing all things. The creator of the world has not lost a step or one volt of the power behind his command and control. Relax. Deep breaths. Now, in the, just the few minutes remaining to us today, I'd like you to jump to chapter 2 and cherry-pick another couple of verses out of here to give you a framework for when you go back and read the whole thing, which I think it would take you 15 minutes, or better yet, a couple of five, five or seven-minute sessions. Read it in little pieces and just savor it. This is a tightly packed, dense Food from heaven for your troubled mind and soul. If you look at verse 9, Colossians 2 verse 9, In Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I could talk to you for an hour on all the stuff that's in this verse. For now, just content yourself with saying, looking at that word fullness. He is the fully divine Son of God at all times, along with being human. And notice the tense of this verb, lives present in bodily form. He took his body with him to heaven. Christ is still true man and true God at the same time. That's why he's such an effective priest and intercessor for you. But he's not merely human. Within his still human body lives all the fullness of God himself, meaning that when he is given supremacy over all things, He's seated on his throne to give his commands. He surveys what the world needs, and he can act. Andy, you have been given fullness in Christ. You are fully loved, fully forgiven, fully favored and blessed. You are fully equipped to do what God needs you to do in your life. And you also are fully insured and protected against death itself. You have resurrection insurance guaranteed by Christ's own resurrection. You are fully covered by divine life insurance. Christ is the head over every power and authority. He's the head. He has power greater than Putin, power greater than the Russian army, power greater than the nuclear weapons in the Russian arsenal. He has power and wealth greater than all the booming and sometimes crashing stock markets of this earth. He has unlimited ability to give gifts and to keep daily bread coming to his children. Why? Because he outranks every earthly power and authority. He's the head of it all. He is governing the universe according to his agenda. And we panic a little bit because our agenda often doesn't exactly align with God's. And we're much more into comfort, pleasant times, no stress, Uh, having plenty of money, pleasures and comforts. We're into all that stuff. Jesus has a little bit different agenda. His mission is to make you useful in spreading his word, name, and faith, and then getting you and as many people as possible home safely to heaven. That's his agenda. And sometimes he gets that done through spoiling us. Sometimes he gets it done by allowing us to be stressed out. As Paul said back in chapter 1, I rejoice in what I suffered for you. What? I rejoice in my sufferings, Paul said it. You can too. 
Now, here's the so what's. Pardon me for like going backwards. I feel like I'm kind of like on a pogo stick boinging around, uh, not in my usual linear way, but forgive me. There's not enough time left to argue with me about it, so just, just roll with it, okay? See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Your mission is not to let the brokenness of this world look like an indictment that God is asleep or dead or unloving or confused or senile. He's none of the above. You can have 100% confidence in God's brain, muscles, and heart because he's on a roll to do things his way. And God does not look at the string of disasters that I enumerated because from God's point of view, number one, truly, I can see this in my own life. God gets his best work done in times of stress and brokenness. I am the deafest to God's word. When I am well-fed, comfortable, and secure, I get lazy and self-indulgent. I get so inward-looking, it's pathetic. God does his best work in my life when when I'm getting squeezed. That's when I notice the Lord, when I realize how much I need him, that I need him to be the glue in a society that seems to have no glue anymore. I need him to send his angels to protect me because I can't protect myself, my family, and you, people I love. God hears from me much more often when I'm being squeezed than when I'm being pampered. Isn't that true of you as well? Who needs God when you've when you got plenty of money? It's all good. He also, in this brokenness, promises to set limits this far and no more. He also promises to use every bit of the struggle, hardship, and suffering in your life in some kind of way to make your life better or someone else's life better. I don't know how he does that, but he always does. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted, built up, and strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. When you find yourself, like I was 15 minutes ago, whining about how nothing's going right for me right now, the thing to do is to sit down and take inventory of how insanely blessed you are and count what's working. We so dial in to what we don't have that what we want that it blinds us to the insane number of ways in which God is demonstrating that he is governing all things and sending resources into your life. A few hours before he was killed, Jesus looked at his disciples who were sick, literally sick. They were heart sick, listening to Jesus' grim predictions of what lay ahead of them. And their faces must have showed it. And Jesus said to them in that upper room on Monday, Thursday, in this world, you will have many troubles. Don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. Amen. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.